such a privilege to be with you again today. And if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 12. The book of Luke, chapter 12. I want you to know that I have prayed much for you as a congregation this week. I know you've gone through some uh, really difficult times if you've lost loved ones. And uh, there's nothing that I know that, that uh, has such a heavier impact on our hearts and our lives than to lose those that we love. A few years ago, well, I say a few years ago, it's been a little over 15 now, our, uh, our son died. And uh, when we lost our son, it was without, without a doubt one of the hardest things I've, I've ever gone through in my life and the hardest things Katie has ever gone through. And uh, when we came on the other side of it, and we're still on the other side, that means we're not over it. And truth is, we'll carry it to our grave. But I, I, I went to the pulpit, and, and I, I said, I, I want to teach you how to help people who are hurting. And uh, they, they listened very, very close. And I, I just want to help you for just a moment before we read our text. Don't feel like you have to say something. You don't have to have a message for them, a word for them. The truth is your word may be horrible. I had people, and I know they meant well. I had people say, Brother Doug, I know what you're going through. I lost my mama, or I lost my daddy, or my brother, I lost my brother. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I just wanted to bust them right in the mouth. Listen closely. I've lost my mama. I've lost my daddy. I've lost a sister. I've lost a brother. And if you put all of those together, they don't go on a scale of one to ten. One compared to losing my son or our son, which is a ten. So when you lose someone in your church family, here's what you do. Hug their neck. Tell them you love them and you're there for them. And remember what I'm about to tell you right now. The lonely, one of the loneliest experiences I ever had in my life was standing in our driveway and watching the taillights of those who loved us drive away. You see, we tend to think we've helped them during the crisis. Three days, four days, five days. But let me tell you something. Keep loving on them. A month, two months, a year, two years, five years, just keep loving on them. You say, well, I don't know what to say. Do you know how to say I love you? You know how to say I'm here for you? You know how to hug a neck? That's how you do it. And God will bless you. Let me just pray for your congregation right now again. Could I? Father, I know this has been a tough week for Temple, and, and I know there's many, many families hurting, hurting, hurting. What I, I love about what you've taught us in your word, that you're the high priest who can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Lord, you, you know when we hurt. You know why we hurt. You know why we're going through what we go through. And you are the one that can heal us. You're our bomb in Gilead. And I just pray that your blessing will be upon the, the families who've had lost this week in this church. Lord, I pray that the little bit of tidbit that I've given 
uh, just the last couple of minutes, that God, you'll use it in a great and mighty way to help this church to love on their people, especially when they've lost a loved one. Now, Lord, I pray as we read the word and we preach it today, God, we, if we don't preach under your anointing, then uh, we, we won't have ears to hear and a heart to receive it. So, Lord, anoint your word, anoint your servant, and I promise you all the glory will belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Read with me now. Really, our text is verse 16, but we're going to get a running go on it. And so let's, would you read verse 15 with me, and then we'll begin to read on from there. And he said unto them, Take heed, and beware of covetousness. Now that word literally is translated greed. Beware of greed. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. In other words, my life is more than what I have or don't have. And he spake now a parable unto them. Now, always remember, Jesus was the greatest. I said last week, man, he was the greatest storyteller. He was the greatest teacher. He just told them something. And if they're sitting there saying, man, I, I, I don't know. What, what do you mean? Beware of greed. Be, beware of this covetousness. And then Jesus gives them a parable, which is an illustration. It's a window to look into what he just taught them. And that's what we're about to read. Look what he said. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will I bestow all my fruit and my goods. And I will say unto my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God, watch it now. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You may be seated. Would you hand me that bag right there, Katie? I haven't had breakfast yet, so I wanted to eat in front of you. I love doing that, and especially those that haven't had breakfast either, okay? Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up here right now <clears throat> is because I want to fool with your mind for a while, okay? I want you wondering what is in that bag. Do you realize the number one cause of divorce today is how we handle finances? Now, let me say this again. The number one cause of divorce today in America is not finances. It's how we handle finances. Number one cause. Do you know what the number one cause today is? Why the world still doesn't know who Jesus is? Do you realize 97% of the world knows what Coca-Cola is? 97% of the world can tell you what Coca-Cola is. But there's over 3 billion people in the world who've never heard the name of Jesus one time. They have no idea who Jesus is. And the number one cause of that is because we don't have the finances that we need to get the gospel to the world. So what would happen today 
if, if we were able to help every family in this church begin on the journey of putting your finances in order, wouldn't that be phenomenal? Wouldn't that be phenomenal? You, you say, well, I, I don't really need that. Just check your pulse. If your heart's beating, you need it. Okay? Now, I know some of you guys are sitting there saying, well, you, you said families. I'm single. Let me tell you, every person alive needs to know how to handle their finances. And every church on the face of the earth ought to be committed in taking the gospel to the world. Amen? Now, do you realize we make more money today than we've ever made in our lives? Well, I, I make far more money than my daddy ever made, and you do too. We have more things than we've ever had before. But do you realize that we're in a mess financially? Let me tell you some of the ways you know that you're in a mess financially. Number one, you don't know where it goes. I've heard people say, I don't don't even know where it all goes. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't know where it goes, then you didn't tell it where to go. You need to tell your finances where they go. And you need to know where they go. Let me tell you another reason why we know we're in a mess. We're spending way too much. We're spending way too much. And it's so easy. PayPal, pew, away it goes. Isn't that right? I, I mean, now just give them your credit card. Away you go. Years ago, my kids wanted something, and I said, we don't have it. And they said, just write a check. <laughs> and I thought, what in the world have I taught my kids? We're spending way too much. And we're in too much debt. We've got more debt. Don't you love that little ad on TV? Have you seen it? Where the guy talks about how great his house is. He's on a new lawnmower and he's got a new car and all of that. And he's talking about how great everything is. And then you see that look on his face. He said, I am so in debt. (laughs) We have way too much debt. And and, and we're in a mess. And our, our, our lifestyle is chasing our income. And I'll explain that in a moment. But you see, our Lord Jesus Christ talked more about finances and how we handle them than any other subject in the Bible. Are you aware of that? Talk to me now. Are you aware of that? How many of you have ever heard somebody say, all they talk about down there is money? How many of you have ever heard somebody say that about the church? All they, all they talk about is money. Well, you know what? If Jesus was your pastor, that's what you'd be saying about him. Because he talked more about money and how we handle it and what we do with it than he talked about heaven and hell. Combined. Combined. He talked more about money than telling us how to go to heaven. You know why? Listen to me. He doesn't want anything competing with him. He wants my heart sold on him, not on things. Not on things. Well, from our text today, you see the title, Why Do I Have So Much? If we'll learn to answer that question today, I promise you, this is not a cure-all sermon. But it will be the beginning and a great beginning of you and, and I having, or you and me having, financial peace and security in our life. It'll be the beginning like never before of our church being able to go to the whole world with the gospel. If we'll just answer the question, why do I have so much? Why do I have so much? You see, Jesus gave us a definition of greed, and here it is. And the parable tells us this, that greed 
is the assumption that life's extras are for, for our consumption. Greed is the assumption that the extras, why do we have so much in life or for our consumption? And when we think that way, there is no room in our life for generosity. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of us have ever experienced a time when we didn't have enough? You ever experienced a time when you didn't have enough? Tell me, what did you do? What did you do? Well, let's find out. How many of you robbed a bank? You wouldn't tell us anyway, would you? When you did not have enough, you know what you did? You prayed. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us. Help us. Our first church, when we went there, they paid us $100 a week if it came in. And it always came in. I can remember times, though, going out in the backyard and I'd raise my hands and I'd cry out, Oh, God, it's Doug. And I need help. We're not going to make it if you don't help us. Because even though I had $100 a week income, I decided to go full time as a pastor. And we needed miracles and we got them. But let me ask you, what do you do when you have more than enough? What do you do when you get the raise and the bonus and the extras? What do you do with that? You know what? Most of us don't pray about that. You know why? Because we believe the extra is for us. Wow, I got a bonus. It's for me. The extra is for me. Honey, what do you want to do with this? Where can we go with this? What can we buy with this? Isn't that right? Man, you start watching when, the, uh, when, when, when we get the income tax returns the, during this part of the year. I mean, uh, they're after us like crazy. Spend it here. Spend it here. Isn't that right? And we get it. And you know what we think? It's for me. Boy, this is for me. What can I spend? What can I do? Years ago, Katie and I was newlyweds. She had to have an emergency appendectomy. We were in my last year seminary, and uh, so what we did was uh, uh, I, I worked for the uh, police department in Houston, Texas. I was a deputy court clerk, and she worked for Tennessee Life Insurance downtown Houston. So we had the best insurance benefits you could ever have. Now, they don't do this today, but they used to back, back uh, when dinosaurs were running around. <laughs> But she had an emergency appendectomy, and my, my insurance from the uh, Houston Police Department had paid. And then her insurance from Tennessee Life Insurance paid, and they sent us a check for 450-some-odd dollars. Man, we got excited about that. Katie took it back to work and said to her boss, they overpaid on this. I brought the money back. And her boss said to her, honey, I have never met anybody in my life like you. That is your money to keep. Man, she came. We were so excited, weren't we? We had, wow, what do we, you know what we did? We prayed about it. We said, Lord, what, I, I don't know why we, we, we weren't even counting on this. What, what, what are we to do with that? Now, let me tell you where we were. We were in college. We had school bills out the, out the roof. 
You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we had TV dinners without the TV. And we said, Lord, what do you want us to do with that? And you know what my mind said? Put it on the school bill. And you know what the Lord said? Send it to a young pastor in East Tennessee who just started a church. So we put it in our bank. We wrote a check and sent it, sent it to that young pastor. In about two weeks, it was the day of snail mail. And, and, and about two weeks, we got a letter back explaining how that was exactly what they needed. And we read that letter and sat and cried like babies. God, thank you for using us. So when we have so much, see, see the principle is that of greed that, that, that we're going to look at the very first thing. When Jesus lays out this parable, the first thing he tells us is, is that we've got to be careful about greed. Isn't that right? So if you have the notes, follow with me. Number one, the principle is that of greed. Now, most of us will never admit that we're greedy, but the truth is greed can be in all of our life. That's why I showed you in verse 15. Covetousness literally means that of greed, and greed can get us all. You see, here's how greed comes about. Now, I'm not against having things. Please, please, don't, 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 get, don't get me wrong. We, we live in a lovely home. Uh, we, 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 have, we have more than we ever imagined to have. I'm not against having things. Are you with me? But you know, I tend to say I need, I need, I need, I need, when in reality is it's I want, I want, I want, I want. Anybody like that besides me? Be honest. Wave, wave both hands at me. You know, come on, let's, let's be honest. But what we have to be careful with, when we live our life thinking that we need all of this stuff, when in, in, when in reality... It's just things we want. We set ourselves up for failure. You see, a need can be satisfied, but a want can never be satisfied. The more I want, the more I want, the more I want. The more I want, the more I want. The more I want, the more I want. Did you get that with me? Now, here's what I want you to understand in this principle of greed. We're making more money than we've ever made in our lives. Come on, let's be honest. I know people that make $100,000 a year, and they're broke. I know people who make 200000 a year, and they're broke. I know people who make 300000 a year, and they are broke. I'm telling you, they're broke. You say, why are they broke? Here's why. Lifestyle, their, their lifestyle, here, here's how it works. Here's why it works this way. Their lifestyle chases their income. So over here they are. Here's their income up here, Okay. When their income increases, their lifestyle goes right with it. We get bigger homes and better homes. We get bigger cars and better cars. We go from Chevrolets and, and, and Fords to now we're driving Mercedes. And, 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 and now if you're coming here in a Mercedes, don't, I, I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. If you want to let me drive it, it would enhance my visitation program. <laughs> but, but I'm saying if we're not careful... Uh, what happens is our lifestyle chases our income. So now we're making more money than we've ever had in our life, and we're just as broke as we were when we were making $100 a week. Are you with me? And the danger of that, guys, listen to me, the danger of that is that we become people who are not generous in giving to the Lord. I love this statement. Listen closely. We need to cap our standard of living so we can increase our standard of giving. 
Did you get what I just said? We need to cap our standard of living so that we can increase our standard of giving. Do you realize when J.C. Penney, or if, uh, if you really want to, J.C. Penney? Where, where did you get that outfit at J.C. Penney's? It just sounds better than Penny, right? Uh, how many of you had a craft product this, this week? You had some cheese or some milk? or How, how many of you had a, a craft product this week? Do you know what J.L. Uh, Kraft and J.C. Penney had in common? They started giving 10%. And when they died, they gave 90% and lived off a of 10 You see, what happened was they kept their standard of living so they could increase their standard of giving. Are you with me? You see, that's how this thing works. That's how it works. So we have the principle. Let me give you the parable now. We're going to break down the scripture, okay? I'm not one of those that will read a text and then go shoot rabbits, okay? We're going to get right into the text. So here we go. Verse 16 tells us there's a rich man. Now, who is he? Well, the Bible tells us he's the one that had more than he needed. He had extra and abundance. Amen? That's verse 16. Then verse 16 tells us that the ground brought forth plentiful. Now, let me ask you a question. Who controls the ground? God. I grew up a, I grew up a country boy on a farm, okay? Do you realize farmers are at the mercy of nature? They're at the mercy of God. Farmers can't control the rain. They can't, you know, they, I, I'm telling you, it can freeze. We, we, had a, we had one of the prettiest pear trees that money would buy in our yard in East Tennessee when we pastored there. It's gorgeous. But it had a flaw. The first warm spell, it would bloom, and it was so big and gorgeous. And then, does anybody know what happened after that? We'd have a frost. It'd freeze. And you know what? We never got a pair off of that sucker one time while we lived there. You see, God is in control of that. But here, here, here's a man who had the extra. The ground brought forth. I mean, it, this man, uh, you know, it, it wasn't his intellect and his, and, and his ingenuity that gave him what he had, even though he thought that. Now, here's his dilemma. He said in verse 17, what shall I do? He said, my barns aren't big enough for my harvest. You see, here's why he said that. He believed the extra was for him. You know, I read this and I want to say, man, wouldn't common sense just tell you if you have all that extra, maybe you ought to give some of it away? But no, 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 it was all for him. He doesn't see greed in his life. So he makes a plan. Here's his plan. Verse 18, he said, I'll build bigger barns and I'll store up for the future. Now, listen to me closely. If this was the end of the story or the parable, you and I would make him a financial hero, would we not? Man, let me tell you, listen, this guy, good night, he gets wealth and then he just keeps getting more wealth and more wealth and more wealth. He would be our role model. But he was wrong. So it brings us to his fatal flaw. You say, what was his fatal flaw? Well, verse 19 tells us. You see, he thought that since he had enough stuff stored up for many years of consumption, that he would have many years of life left to consume it. 
He thought, man, since I have all of this stuff, I, surely I'm going to be living for a long time. That's why he says in the verse, much goods and many years. I have much goods and many years. Now remember, he's talking to himself. You see, he thought his life was the equivalent of what he had. He thinks that all of this extra is for him. And he has all of this extra because he's going to need it for all of these extra years he's going to be living. And the guy is messed up financially. And you and I are messed up financially when we think all of this extra is for us. Now, the fool. Verse 20. Now, he thought, but God thought differently. You know what God said? Thou fool. Let, look, go back. Just look, at, look at verse 20. But God said unto him, thou what? Fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then look what he says. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? That little word right there, then, it's the question. Who's going to get all that you've prepared for yourself? Here's the answer. You ready? Somebody else. Somebody else is going to get it. Do you realize that all of his possessions are going to be distributed to others? Not because he's generous, but because he's dead. He's dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you right now, I want to give while I'm alive. You know why? Then I know who I'm giving it to. I can see the benefits of what it's doing. And according to what Jesus said, I can lay up treasure in heaven. Now, why did God call him a fool? Did God call him a fool because he was rich? No. Did God call him a fool? Well, God called him a fool because he didn't know why he was rich. Did God call him a fool because he had the extra? No. God called him a fool because he didn't understand why he had the extra. His fatal assumptions are these. He thought that he was the source of all of his abundance. I, I've done this. I've created this. It's with my hands and my ingenuity. And he also assumed that his abundance, all of it, was for him. And he assumed that the abundance of stuff equates Abundance of years. Now here's the moral of the story. Look at verse 21. Here's the moral of the story. Look at what he says. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Those who store for themselves but are not rich toward God. Guys, let me tell you something. If there's anything I accomplish while living on this earth, I want to be rich Toward God. How about you? Talk to me now a second. If there's anything on this earth, I want to be rich toward God. If you jump over to verse 33 and 34, you see how to be rich toward God. Basically, verse 33 says, Sell that thou have and give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth, nor uh, moth corrupteth, for where your treasure is, there will, be, will your heart be also. In other words, Jesus said, hey, if you want to be rich toward God, be willing to be generous. 
Be willing to give. And that's how we become rich toward God. Jesus said it again in Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 20. Listen to what he said. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust, rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, this guy is so messed up financially. He has lost the joy of giving. He has lost the joy of what can happen in his next life. Listen to this statement. Our giving doesn't determine where we go when we die. Did you hear that? Our giving doesn't determine where we go when we die, but it does determine what it'll be like when we get there. It does determine what it'll be like when we... Do you really believe we're storing up treasures in heaven? Now, guys, I'm going to tell you right now. In heaven, I am a multi-millionaire. Bill Gates, eat your heart out. Are you with me? Do you know the Bible talks about a hundredfold and... And you say, what do you believe about that? I just believe that what we give to God, God just, you know, uh, 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 Hannah, when she gave Samuel to the Lord, she said, I have loaned him to the Lord. You know what I believe? I believe anything we give to God is a loan to God and God pays great interest. Oh, I may not get it down here, but by the way, let me tell you something more important than money down here. It's having health. If you've got your health, let let me tell you right now. I mean, you can get up and you can think, you can bathe yourself. Uh, you, you, I, I'm, I'm telling you, health is very, very important. And it's more, it's more important than wealth. I can tell you rich people would give everything they had to have a healthy body right now. You see, God blesses the people who give. And my goal and your goal ought to be in life that we are rich toward God. So we've seen the principle. We've seen the parable. And now let's talk about parents for a moment, okay? We're going to talk about parents. I've got a pretty little girl, Ashley, going to help me. Ashley, would you come up here, honey, okay? Now, I don't know what kind of parents you had. My daddy was a drunk, but he was a good drunk. Did you hear what I just said? Come up here, honey. Thank you, Ashley. If you'll just stand right here, okay? Now, my my daddy was a drunk, but he was a good drunk. My daddy didn't beat my mama and... And uh, I saw my mama beat him a time or two when he was drunk, but uh, <laughs> I always thought that was pretty neat, you know. She could knock him down, he'd get up, and she could knock him right back down. But Dad provided for us. My, my dad provided for us. He, he, he was a good man. And my dad tried to teach us right. Now, my grandparents on my dad's side were good, godly Methodists. They, they were good, godly people. But my dad and my mom, they, they taught us some things. Now, even though they didn't teach us Christianity, and by the way, let me explain one thing to you or, or say one thing to you. I had the privilege of helping lead my dad to Christ. And, and my dad died. He, he died a few years ago. He died at 88 of dementia. Uh, but he woke up 30 minutes before he died, sang hymns with everybody, knew everybody in the room, and then went to see Jesus. Isn't that pretty neat? A drunk gets saved. That, by the way, that's what the grace of God's all about. But they taught me something. And so I want to illustrate it for a moment. Uh, Ashley, do you like chocolate chip cookies? You do? I do too. I've got two of them right here. And I love chocolate chip cookies. 
How, how many of you out there like chocolate chip cookies? Right. Anybody there don't like chocolate chip cookies, raise your hand. Anybody don't like them? You, you folks won't be going to heaven when you do <laughs> I'm sorry, you won't make it. But Ashley and I love chocolate chip cookies, don't we, honey? Huh? <laughs> they're, they're, they're wonderful. You know, I, I bought these at the deli this morning. They were made fresh. Mm, don't you like them? Sort of like the donuts when the hot sign's on, you know? Now, Ashley, would you like a chocolate chip cookie, honey? Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I only have two. And I'm thinking I'm going to eat that other one tonight. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking I probably need that other one. So here's what I'm going to do, Ashley. I'm going to pray for you to get a chocolate chip cookie. Okay? Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Okay. All right. Lord, would you pray with me for Ashley? Hey, hey, don't laugh. Come on. Come on. Would you? How many of you will pray with me? Come on, get serious. You pray. Okay. All right. Let's pray for Ashley. Lord. Ashley's just like me. She loves chocolate chip cookies. And I pray, Lord, that you'll send her a chocolate chip cookie. I don't know how you'll do it, but I know you're the God that can do anything. So, Lord, send her a chocolate chip cookie. Amen. Amen. Amen? All right. Thank you, Ashley. God bless you, honey. Ashley, 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 come back. If you left on that note, honey, would have a right in this church. <laughs> Somebody would beat me up before we left. There's your chocolate chip cookie. Thank you. Ashley, did you notice I didn't touch your chocolate chip cookie with my hand? Did you notice that? Okay, good. I wanted your parents to know that before you started eating it, okay? Now, how many of you will be honest with me? You knew we were having fun there, but something inside you was boiling. And when you saw her walking away, you wanted to scream out, give her that cookie. Come on now, talk to me. Am I right? Do you realize we serve a God that sees everybody in this world that has two chocolate chip cookies? And he sees everybody in this world that has no chocolate chip cookies. And he sees us all at the same time. And God in heaven is screaming out to those of us who have two chocolate chip cookies, give! 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 Now that leads us right into my next point, and I want you to look at it with me. And we're coming to a close, okay? Last week, I apologize to you first service people. I, I misunderstood what time I was supposed to quit. And, and I thought that Dustin said, uh, get ready for your invitation at 10 minutes when the clock said 10. Well, I was watching and said, man, I got all kinds of time. Let's just go. And, and I, I missed it. So I, I will be on time today. I promise you I'll be on time. Okay? Here's the plan. If you'll hang on with me, I'm going to help you right now. Very simple plan. Every one of us in this house, if you'll follow this plan, I promise you, you will begin to be blessed by the Lord in your finances like, like never before. You ready for it? You don't even, this one's so simple, you don't even have to write it down. But here it is. Number one, give to God. Give to God. You say, how, how do we give to God? Well, you start by the tithe. You start by the tithe. The tithe means 
The Bible says that belongs to the Lord. Somebody say amen right there. So I, I can't afford to do that. Now, you know, I don't understand it, but there are a lot of things in life I don't understand. I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass and gives white milk. I don't understand that at all. Do you? You know, I don't understand how when I flip a light on, electricity goes through there and the light bulb comes on. I, I, don't, I don't know how that, I, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand why my car cranks. I, I don't understand that. I, there's so many things in life I, I don't understand, but I enjoy them. And there's one thing about it. Put God first in your life, and I'm promising you, God will take care of everything else. Amen. Years ago, I led a lady to Christ, and her husband was, was a, an atheist. So I started working on him, and we had the privilege of winning him to Christ. Now, now Bob had a black belt in judo. Are you with me? You say, what do you, what do, you do around a guy with a black belt in judo? You'd be real nice. <laughs> and old Bob was just a young Christian, and I was preaching. I used to preach every year the whole month of January on, on finances, how to be in, in control of finances. Because I believe with all of my heart you'll never be a true follower of Christ if your finances are messed up. Because you can't love God and mammon. You've got to have them in the right order. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. And you say, well, they're done talking about finances. Well, that's what our Lord talked about. You can't have anything competing with the heart. So old Bob, he was just a new Christian, and he came in my office one day, and he was mad. And he had a, <clears throat> had, had a, a, and a little folder, had all these papers in there. And he walked in, and he slammed them on my desk. And I was reaching over for my gun. To, no, I <laughs> just want to see if you're listening, okay? And he said to me, he said, Brother Doug, he said, how in the world can I pay these bills and tithe like you told me to this past Sunday? And I said, well, first of all, Bob, I didn't tell you to tithe. So, well, that's what I heard. I said, I didn't tell you that. God told you that. Amen. And I don't know how we're going to do this, but I tell you what, let's just put God to the test. And by the way, you, you may not be aware of this. But I know there's some folks here that used to be members of Decatur Baptist. 32 years ago, we adopted a guarantee, money-back guarantee. And we have done that money-back guarantee for 32 years. That if anybody will start giving the tithe. Okay? And if they'll give the tithe for 90 days... At the end of 90 days, if God has let them down, we'll give them back every bit of their money. Are you okay? You say, I'd, I'd, I'd miss a house payment or two house payments. Well, within 90 days, they won't get it. We'll give you the money and you can catch up on the payment. You say, how many times you had to give it back? Zero. You say, why? God never makes a mistake. Are you with me? God never makes a mistake. So Bob said, okay, we'll try it. But he began to tell me what was in it. I didn't even look at it. I didn't need to look at it because one is a mess. By the way, my, my life was a mess when I got saved. How about you? My finances were certainly a mess when I got saved. And he said, you know, he said, we've got a mobile home over here. 
And he said, I've been trying, he, he said, I've got a, a $10,000 equity in it, and I've been trying to give it away. If somebody just take over the payment, hey, well, what do you take over the payment? And you want me to die? I, I was afraid he'd hit me or something to me. I said, Bob, calm down. Let's just do it. He walked out of there. I prayed with him. He walked out of there. 30 days later, he comes back in smiling like crazy. So, Bob, what's up? He said, Preacher, it works. He said, You won't believe this, but he said, I sold the trailer and got the equity out of it. Somebody bought it and paid the equity out of it. He said, Preacher, do you realize for the first time my wife and I are caught up on every bill that we have and we have some money left over in the bank? I said, Well, Bob, how'd that happen? He said, It had to be a God thing. So, first thing to do, give to God. Are you with me? Give to God. Now, here's the second thing to do. You ready? 10%. You got it? Say 10%. 10%. Okay? Save 10%. Take 10% and save it. Every check, save 10%. Save 10%. You say, why should I save? You may get lucky enough to live old enough to need it. But do you realize some of us have no financial margin in our life when you live paycheck to paycheck the car breaks down you can't fix it the water breaks you can't fix it i mean you're in a mess you're 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 going to these places where they ought to put them all in jail where they'll loan you money for 29 percent interest and i mean crazy crazy bring your car title you know we'll take over everything you have but you have to do that because you've not been saving if you save you have margin are you listening to me get some margin and by the way you get margin in your life you'll start loving your wife better you get some margin in your life you'll start loving your husband better you get margin in your life you quit having all the anxiety that you have with finance are you with me if you're with me say i'm with you preacher then let me give you the next one here it is you ready with it here it is be content to live on the 80% you have left. You say, well, I'll tell you right now, preacher, we can't live on 80%. Then sell and buy lower. We've got five-bedroom house. You, you know what? I, 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 this, is, this is the truth. We've got a three-bedroom house, and we use one of them. We have one whole section of our house that I have all the doors closed and everything so that we don't try to heat and cool it. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, we needed it at one time. We had all the kids there. We needed it at one time. Now, now I, I, I drive a, a Honda Odyssey, you know, when the kids all left and the grandkids didn't want to ride with me anymore in the Odyssey. I still liked it, and I kept it, and I drive it. But if you can't live off of the 80, then bring your, bring your, your standard of living. Remember, if you cap your standard of living, then you can increase your standard of of giving. Are you with me? So why do I have so much? Now, I know you, you, you probably won't believe this, but if you'll go out on the Internet and just see the, 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 the wealth of the world, most every one of us in this room today are within the 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. Everybody in this room is within 3% of the wealthiest people in the world. So you say, preacher, what should I do? Let me tell you what we should do. We should become generous for God. You see, generosity breaks the power of greed. And when we learn to give to God, we learn to save. And by the way, when we've learned to save and we've learned to live off of the rest, we have a contentment like crazy. Now, I, I, I don't mean this wrong, but hang with me for a moment. How many of you, husbands and wife, ever fuss? And a now and then 
fight a little bit. I didn't say swing. I just said get louder than the fuss. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have had a fuss and just miserable afterwards? Come on now. Just miserable afterwards. And you were fussing over nothing. And you thought, good night. She ain't talking to me. I'm not talking to her. I mean, this house is cold as icicles. Over nothing. Right? Nothing. It wasn't worth the fight. It wasn't worth the energy. But we did it. But how many of us know the joy? You come home, she's smiling, you're smiling. We're loving being together. We're loving talking together. The contentment. Talk to me now. The contentment. I'm telling you, the lack of contentment is one of the greatest burdens of life. And contentment is one of the greatest blessings of life. But how do we do it? We give to God. We save. And we learn to live off the other. So why do I have so much? Why do you have so much today? I'm about done. Why do I have so much? Why do you have so much? You know why? Listen to me. So we can give to God. So we can make a difference in this world. You know what Temple Baptist is all about? I love your pastor. I, I tell you what, you've got one of the greatest pastors and staff. I, I just love your pastors to death. Let me tell you what Temple Baptist is all about. You ready? You ready? Change lives. Change lives. Change lives. You know why you receive the offering in a few minutes? Change lives. You know why you give to missions? Change lives. You know why your pastor teaches like I'm doing today? Change lives. That's what it's all about. Amen? That's what it's all about. We're in the second week of January. Why don't you start a new year saying, God, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start saving. And we're going to learn how to live on the rest. Now, sometimes we... How, how many of you have ever bought something you couldn't afford? Talk to me now. Bought something you couldn't afford. Remember how good it smelled when it was new? And about two months into paying for it, it stunk. How many of you have ever sold something you couldn't, you, you couldn't afford and feel the burden when you watch it go away? Whew. Thank God and greyhounds, it's gone. It's going down the road. You, how many of you know what, what you're doing? You were getting out from under the load. And you were learning to live within what you have the ability to live within. Amen? Amen. You're learning how to do that. And guys, let me tell you, if you'll do that, my, how God will bless you. He'll bless you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for your word today. And I just pray that you'll help us to live it.